You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 30 of Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast. I'm your host, Solus, and today's episode is dedicated to this last weekend's CitizenCon 2953. We're calling it Pyro for, I think, very, very, very obvious reasons, but there is so much more to unpack about this weekend than just Pyro. Now, because of that, uh, it has basically laid out the rest of my podcasts for the rest of this year. Um, I think there's enough information to go through um, all of Star Engine to all the quality of life improvements um, in each of it their own episode. Uh, Star Engine alone, the demonstration of the persistent entity streaming and server meshing was incredible. I could go on, um, but I do think I have to space this out. Absolutely. Um, I, I've kind of wargamed um, how to best approach this episode and the, and the rest of them for the rest of the year. And I think the best way is, is to follow the tried and true chronological order. So for this episode, we're going to go back to last Thursday, whenever we launched the PU patch 321. We're going to go through that. (laughs) Uh, We're going to go through the release of the Crusader A1 Spirit, um, address some of the referral bonuses that comes with Mission Ready or patch 321. And then we're going to get into the Saturday releases of the preview channel, the Zeus Mark II. We're going to go over the Zeus Q&A as well. We're going to go over the Drake Cutter Scout. And then Sunday was a roadmap roundup at the end of CitizenCon, which I think they were delaying until after all of the news was released. And then we will get into Monday's This Week in Star Citizen, the roadmap update that came shortly after, and then Tuesday's Whitley's Guide to the 600i sprinkled in there, I am going to go through my personal reactions. High level, maybe the macro level of what my brother and I experienced at this year's Citizen Kind. There's a lot to discuss, a lot of pictures to show. So if you're listening on podcast, I welcome you to go on to our YouTube channel for this one episode. I would say listen to both. It helps me out with numbers. <laughs> uh, but go on to YouTube so you can see the side by side when we do um, a little bit of the a little bit of the demonstration. I also am using my Elgato uh, Overcam, so I will be showing off some of the neat things uh, that I got over at CitizenCon. Um, so that will also be available on YouTube as well. So I hope this finds everybody well. Um, I will take a step back, detach from the agenda real quick, um, and just say how humbling this was for me. Um, It was humbling. I was honored um, several times. Many of you took time out of your day, took time out of your convention 
to find me and introduce yourself. Um, I will go over through the pictures of those that I took pictures with, uh, but I met some from Soul Citizens. I met um, I met some some really 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 awesome people. We're going to go over each one uh, here in a little bit, uh, but I do want to take a second and just um, talk about the the human side of this past weekend. It meant a lot to me, and I want to stay um, I want to stay in that mood. Because a couple of days ago, I did uh, make a social media push of, hey, be part of this week's episode. Email us, and you can always email us at contact at beyondtheversehq.com. We did have a couple of emails, and I do want to go through those. So from the community, here we go. Um, We haven't done this in a while, so I'm excited to get into this. But the first email was sent back on October 20th from a Ben DeMarco. So let me just read, and I'll quote. Um, all right, let's go. Hello. I have no idea if this email goes straight to Solus or not, which it does. You found me. But thanks for the content. After years of listening to a friend talk on and off about Star Citizen, I finally downloaded it a week ago today. I was so into it that I looked for podcasts about it. I listened to a couple of your recent episodes, then went back to start from episode one. That's awesome, my brother. I appreciate your ability to talk about polarizing topics diplomatically. It's refreshing in the world we currently live in. This email has no real purpose other than to say thanks and connect to this world and community. It is exactly the type of game I was looking for. I'm struggling to get friends back into it, so my start was very rough going solo. I've tried delivery and mercenary missions, and yesterday I got hooked on mining. Currently, I have five work orders in at the refinery, but with ship rentals, I don't know how efficient the process will be. It's actually really funny. Not that you care about any of this or read it, but I just wanted to communicate with someone who clearly had a passion for this thing that has me so excited. And one final time, thanks, Ben. So first off, I absolutely care about this. If you follow me on socials or if you do listen to all of my episodes like you mentioned, you're going to hear that sentiment permeate throughout every single episode. I would do this for one of you. This is my creative outlet. This is my uh, additional passion towards a game, of course, I'm passionate about. Uh, But again, I would do it for one of you. So this email in and of itself gives me reason to continue, gives me reason to make an episode 31, 32, 300, 301, right? Like episodes. Thank you so much, Ben. A couple of things that you called out. Um, Let's go through real quick. Uh, Talking about polarizing topics diplomatically. Here's the deal. Um, We talked about it a couple episodes. I'm going to say it again. There are two sides of the fence, right? Um, The grass is not always greener on one side or the other. The cow shits on both sides of the fence. Straight up, right? So you can be a white knight and you could die for the cause. Or you could hate the crap out of the game, but somehow still make content. That's usually where content creators live. But I think you would know that the cow grazes at the fence. 
right? So it's this idea that like come to the center, come to the center, be part of the middle and navigate the emotional dynamic that is gaming in the gaming industry, especially with Star Citizen and Squadron 42. After 11 years of ups and downs, um, this game will bring out the best and worst uh, the best and worst out of out of gamers, content creators, etc. So I will continue to try my best to navigate. I err on the side of optimism, but will address the pessimism and critical comments um, as they come necessary. So I'm glad you recognize that, and I'm going to continue pursuing that endeavor. <laughs> if I ever, if I ever uh, back out of that, or if I ever change, I expect the community to put me in check. Right. Um, the next paragraph, exactly the type of game I was looking for. Uh, yeah, this has everything in it, literally everything in it. And if you watch Citizen Con, or if you need to go back and watch the YouTubes or the Twitch stream, it literally has everything. It is Call of Duty on the ground. It is, I'm just gonna say Star Citizen up in space because no other game comes close to it. It is incredible to do anything and everything you wanna do. And it's going to get better. Right, but you tried delivery and mercenary missions. I personally uh, am loving the mercenary missions at this current moment. Absolutely love them. It has almost every loop in the game, I guess, other than, I mean, you could argue it has cargo. I mean, if you go in and loot the entire bunker or UGF, just throw that into your ship and you know move on. I guess it would have every loop, but I love the idea of flying. Sometimes there's um, you know aerial combat, um, but getting into you know, the UGF is always fun. If it's a higher mission, you actually have to land for further away and, and, and uh, take a ground vehicle in so you don't get shot down. So there's a lot of different dynamics in mercenary missions. That's my personal favorite. And then yes, mining is very addicting. Mining and salvaging is a very, very addicting loop. So enjoy. <laughs> but as you said, you have rental vehicles. Uh, it's a little, little difficult to keep up with that, all of that, especially with the new patches, whenever they reset ships, etc. So last time I'll say this, Ben, I do read and appreciate everything that you have said in this email. So thank you for that. Email number two, <clears throat> um, this is from a Dakota. So uh, this was actually two days ago. I'm actually not sure if it's in response um, to my push for communication or not, but I do want to read uh, Dakota's email. It's actually a phenomenally written uh, or well-written email. I'm going to read straight through it and then respond, but I loved this sentiment. Hello, Solus. My name is Dakota and I recently, be recently began to listen to your podcast. It has become my go thing to listen to when I drive alone. I recently got into this game back in nearly two years ago, but not playing until within the, this past month, though I have sporadically followed the project over that time. I think that's aligned with most backers. The game has always looked interesting to me, but I wasn't ready for it until now, and I feel like jumping in right after 3.20 came out and before the F8C event really was the right time, but just for me, but for uh, but just for me, but for the game itself, but also feel that uh, at the same time, it was the worst time to start because of how crazy sitcom was, which has led to some consents for me. Love it. Let's get into it. Given a lot of the issues that have happened this year and the setbacks that the integration of PES, that's Persistent Entity Streaming, in 3.18 has caused, which we know 3.18 was a disaster. 
Do you feel that SITCON went a long way in showing the community that CIG is serious about course correcting to fix the current issues and being long promised features and overhauls to the game? This convention truly felt like CIG needed to finally show off what many people have been waiting years to see, and they didn't disappoint. Many content creators, just like yourself, had speculated what they would show off, and it feels like nearly every single prediction that was made appeared in some form or another. Break. We're about halfway through the email, but I want to address that right now. Uh, PES, like 318, disaster. But if you watched the Spectrum announcements, Tyler Whitkin um, uh, mentioned a lot of feedback afterwards. We had the postmortems about 318 and 319 that acknowledged the issue or the problem. Here's what I think happened. Honestly, um, coming from like I, okay, let me back up even more. For those of you that met me at CitizenCon, there was like some confusion about what I do at Amazon. I've been working at Amazon for about 11 years. I've had eight different roles at Amazon. I am currently a senior product manager for Amazon business. I run all things pricing, pricing strategies, removing barriers, et cetera. But one of the things Amazon prides itself on and I absolutely love and keeps me employed at Amazon is you can branch off and do anything you wanna do that Amazon does, right? So my mentor for about four to five years um, is the head of community for Amazon Game Studios. And one of the blessings I've had is been able to contribute on some of the projects. So like for Lost Ark, I helped create the tabletop RPG, which by the way, check out this amazing display to my right here. Finally, Boulder's Gate 3 came out with their collector's edition I had bought several years ago, or at least a year at this point. Um, anyways, tabletop RPG, my thing. So I was able to contribute uh, to Lost Ark. I was able to contribute and be a part of New World all the way from pre-pre-pre-alpha, right? So that's my Amazon history. But as a senior product manager, I am well-versed in a subject matter expert in agile framework and scrum project management and product management. Here's what I think happened. I think the director, let's say, you know, let's say it's Chris Roberts, somebody somewhere said, look, we need to execute this timeline before CitizenCon or before the end of the year, let's backwards plan, let's do a sprint to get all this crap out, right? So we were probably at the point where we felt comfortable launching persistent entity streaming. But if you watch the timeline from 318 to 321, 318 was like in March. So we had 318, 319, 320, and then last week was 321. That is a lot of major major patchwork in what eight months seven months it's crazy that's what we call a sprint right these sprint cycles of trying to execute and cover down on things they knew it was going to be a disaster i think they knew it was going to be a disaster i believe that we are now at a calm moment we are now at a point where the water has settled, the dust has settled, whatever analogy you want to use. I think we are at the point that we can be comfortable inviting our friends back to the game, which I did. Actually, yesterday in Soul Provision, my organization, I got three individuals that have been on a hiatus back in the game, and they're loving how smooth it is. So there you go. I think that answers your question, but I do think they're serious about moving forward in a meticulous, 
direction and how we get into 4.0. They've already said that 322 is going to launch in Q4 before the end of the year. 322 is going to bring some really awesome features that we'll discuss in subsequent podcasts. Um, But our path to 4.0, I think, is going to be a lot smoother. We'll get into the replication layer and what potentially that will do to us. <laughs> I think that'll be the next little hiccup is when we introduce the replication layer separation. Um, again, we'll get into that in a, a little bit. Back to the email from Dakota. This is CIG talking the talk, which they have pretty much always been good at thanks to the open nature of their development process. Just because they can talk the talk doesn't mean they can walk the walk. CIG has had a history of not sticking to timelines, saying one thing and doing another. They say they will have nearly everything they have shown at the con out in 12 months time, which is scary that Chris Roberts said that, I agree. But will it actually happen? Or will we have another instance of promises being broken come sitcom 2954 and only a quarter of what was shown off this year has actually been implemented break chris roberts is doing chris roberts things how's that <laughs> if you watch uh if you watch everything like 99 percent of sitcom was about star citizen and then if you watch the one percent of squadron 42 in that last video that aired on sunday um you have to be a chris roberts in order to envision what they have produced so far visionaries tend to do this um, Jeff Bezos at Amazon did this all the time before you know he he no longer uh, is the CEO. Uh, it's now Andy Jassy, but regardless, um, he used to say this all the time. He used to do these things all the time. Yeah, we're gonna go to the space next year, right? Like these visionaries talking these superlatives um, to get this following and this motivation and morale. I mean, generals in the army. I did twelve years, right? United States Army. Um, we did this right to encourage and and bring up the troops right um so i think speaking in superlatives or maybe in dynamics or dramatics um it's something chris roberts does i'm pretty sure when he said everything you saw over the weekend will be out in 2024 i'm pretty sure every single developer in that uh company i bet their butts puckered a little bit They were probably like, well, damn, there goes uh, all of my vacation. Uh, won't probably get married next year. You know, th- there's there's probably a lot of like, well, we got to go back to the drawing board now because we didn't think we had to produce this in this time. Um, do I think everything is going to come out next year? Hmm. I don't know. I think the only thing that I'm a little hesitant on is base building because that's that they're just now getting into like the implementation um, or actually the development of it. They showed us a really awesome video of like, I mean, they already have the models built. They showed us the videos, the animations. So they have a lot of the visual art um, conceptually done, but the implementation of it in game, the economy that comes with it, um, the implications it has on server meshing. Um, if I build a house on Microtech, does it, I mean, is it going to, persist and then all of a sudden microtech becomes this one planet with a crap load of housing like i I don't know i don't know what that looks like um it's not for me to determine (laughs) so there you go i'll take the easy way out and say it's someone else's problem um i don't think base building is going to launch i do think everything else i think we'll get the bonnie merchant man 
I mean, they actually came out and had like a 10 minute apology for not having the Bonnie Merchman out yet. I think they have internalized that. I think they're all sick to their stomachs. Their excuse, or I'm not saying that in a negative way, but their excuse for not having the Bonnie Merchman is the is the um, retention um, of their or attrition of their staff. And so they had to bring more on and train them. And so they lost time. That's all understandable. Now they're ready to go. I think now they're ready to pull triggers and make this happen. Let's go back to the email. Cause I don't want to spend too much time, um, on this. I just, again, I want to acknowledge the community and their messages to us back to the email. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to be hyped because everything we saw over the weekend was worthy of a level of hype equal to that of a highly anticipated game of the year contender. Absolutely. I just can't be hyped because I know this is all probably not going to be in the game anytime soon. And it makes the game feel a little empty for the moment, not having all of these shiny new features. I have no doubt that developers have the talent and ability to get this all done, but there was so much stuff shown that we easily have enough content for 4.0, 5.0, and maybe even 6.0, which has me questioning how long is all of this really going to take? Are we going to look back at this con like Space Tomato and Salty Mike look back at SitCon 2016 and how they showed off way too much, way too early? Don't get me wrong. I am hyped about everything they showed, but the skeptic in me is just going wildin'. <laughs> Break. <clears throat> um, yes and no. So the 11 years, if you look back at what they've been creating, they have been creating the foundation with scalability in mind. And I'm not, this is not a fanboy moment for Star Citizen, Squadron 42, or CIG. If you actually look at the roadmaps and what they've accomplished, everything that they have done is with scale in mind, right? So the ability to create planets procedurally quicker, You've seen and heard that in tech roundups. Uh, the ability to create um, systems, um, the, uh, the ability to create characters and, and clothing with a skeleton that you just change the cosmetics of so it looks different enough. Like, I think it's going to move exponentially faster once they get server meshing and all of that tech out of the way. I think after they create Pyro, all those lessons learned, it's gonna end up becoming a copy and paste. Not in the negative sense that we're gonna see system over system and think, oh, it's the exact same thing, same pig, different makeup. Um, I don't think that's gonna be the case when I say copy and paste, but I think the, the process uh, of creating new systems and assets have been standardized to the point where we can start seeing this come into fruition pretty quickly. And so think about it. They launch 4.0, we're gonna be inundated with pyro stuff. We're gonna be inundated with going back to Stanton. You're gonna have to take items to sell it back in Stanton. You're gonna go to pyro, do all your things, then you're gonna have to come back to Stanton to sell it. I think that's gonna keep us very occupied while they work on system number three and system number four. And then they're gonna release those. And I think it's gonna end up becoming very much, and I know I always get in trouble when I say this, but I think it's going to be almost like expansions. Like we're gonna be, in this year it's Pyro, and we're gonna be Pyro Stanton, Pyro Stanton, Pyro Stanton. 
but maybe next year, the next two years, maybe we're in Vega. Maybe, maybe we're in Terra. Imagine when Terra comes out, that's going to be crazy, but maybe we go to Terra, right? Um, and then we're going to spend time there for the next two, three years and maybe the next year, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I feel like, um, it's going to be okay. And I feel like the, the systems have been standardized to that point where it's easy to replicate. There you go. Back to the email. What are your thoughts on this? Pretty sure I just answered that. How do you feel about what we saw on stage? We're going to get into that in this uh, podcast. Are you able to be hyped about what we saw or is the promise of within the next 12 months for most of this content deserving of skepticism? I think I address that. I am hyped. Um, I'm a little bit weary on base building, but for the most part, everything else looks honestly doable. Do you think that the developers can get this all implemented within a year? Yes. Or are we going to be disappointed again? I don't think so. I don't think we're going to be disappointed. Um, I still stick to my original idea that Squadron 42 will be out in Q4 of 2024. I still believe it. In the AAA gaming industry, polishing is like one to two years on average, right? It depends on what game, obviously. But when I talk to the head of community at Amazon Game Studios and those developers in AGS that have the experience of working on AAA games, they're, yeah, they agree. It's like one to two years. Well, Squadron 42 has been feature complete for quite some time. Maybe not a full year, but I think they've been doing polishing already. And so, I think between now and a year from now, they should be able to get all their assets polished. They should be able to get episode one of Squadron 42 ready to go. I think next sitcom will be all things Squadron 42. Like this was, this past weekend's was all pyro. Email. I would love to know these thoughts on these questions during your podcast. Thank you for taking time to read this and respond. Thank you so much, Dakota. Thank you so much, Ben. Two phenomenal emails um, that, that honestly, I, I welcome that. And I will dedicate the first part of all of my podcasts addressing the emails as they come in. Because um, the rest of this, the rest of the podcast, you can go and, and look at this stuff yourself. I'm just a companion who is alongside of you um, in the podcast format. So I think addressing emails and addressing those conversations, it's something I'm very, very passionate about. Okay, we're like 20 minutes into the podcast. I'm going to try my best to keep this somewhat close to an hour. It's not going to be. It's it's at least going to be an hour and a half, maybe even two hours. Uh, but let's get into, uh, I guess, last Thursday and Friday. So clearing my throat real quick and let's get uh, let's get going. Okay. I originally had the Crusader A1 Spirit first, but I think it's all part of the PU321 release. So let me do a little bit of reorganizing. Uh, 321 patch notes, referral bonus. Let's go ahead and throw the A1 Spirit after the referral bonus. Maybe welcome back, pilot. Okay, here we go. Sharing my screen, and I did a couple edits, so actually for YouTube, I need to check something real quick. All right, good to go. Here we go. 321, um, that was the biggest surprise. So Thursday happens, I record the, um, I record my companion episode, episode 29 uh, for CitizenCon, and then like I went to work. 
I worked, you know, again, like I said, I work at Amazon. So I went, I went to work, handled what I needed to handle so I could detach from Friday to Monday. In that time span, 321 dropped. Well, shit. <laughs> I didn't get to touch it. I didn't get to go into 321. I really wanted to see the, the jump point uh, to Pyro. Wasn't able to do that uh, because of the timing. So I was... I would say upset. No, I wasn't. I was about to go to sitcom, um, but it was a little bit of a bummer that I wasn't able to get into it. But that was kind of a surprise. I knew it was going to be before uh, Citizen Con, but the timing of it was like right whenever we were getting ready to leave. But 321 introduces a lot into the game, a lot of missions. In fact, they're calling this mission ready. So actually, welcome back, pirate, uh, pilot. I'm going to skip forward real quick. Each one of these patches has a name. Um, I didn't necessarily make that connection until now, so a little bit of transparency. <laughs> but like going all the way back to 315, 315 was Deadly Consequences, 316, Return to Jump Town, 317, Fueling Fortunes, 318, Lasting Legacies, 319, Call to Adventure, 320, Fully Loaded, and 321, Mission Ready. So mission ready, there is a lot of new missions that open the floodgates for what we're expecting in 322 and 4.0. So let's get into the article. With high risk comes great reward. So head into the verse to tackle some of the most dangerous missions yet. From infiltrating abandoned bunkers to restoring peace to a once idyllic city in the clouds. Orson. <laughs> Alpha 321 introduces all new escapades for pilots of every level. Plus, there's the latest groundbreaking tech, updated features, quality of life updates, and much more. Here we go. Still evidence. First off, I have played since since coming back on Monday. I've played each one of these, and I am so, so ecstatic for what is now in the game, go play it. If you're listening to this and you haven't played in several patches, it's ready, it's ready. Go, get into it, bring your friends, join Soul Provision, <laughs> hint, hint. Um, but there is a lot to get into. Let's get into still evidence. <clears throat> mission still evidence at Security Post Korea. This all new mission tasks players with stealing key evidence from Security Post Korea. A simple concept, but a challenge for even the most seasoned outlaw. Plus, if you're late to the party, the target evidence could already be in the hands of another player. How you retrieve it is your call. Shoot him in the face. There you go, straight up. Um, if you're not in Armistice, I have no reservations. <laughs> um, here's the deal. I So many times I have gotten onto community chat or the general chat um, and I'll get on to like vocals and I'll say, you know, hey, friendly coming into the area and I still get shot. I'm still dead. So I am no longer of that mindset. <laughs> if you're holding on to the box that I need, there will be no negotiations. You will be looking down the barrel of my rifle. Back to the article, retrieve consignment uh, missions, retrieve uh, packages from the underground facilities. So you've already seen these updated in the bunkers, but here we go. Buried far away from civilization like Stanton's underground facilities, head deep into these once thriving installations to extract valuables, uh, valuables left over items, uh, leftover items in the face of hostile force. And while you're there, why not liberate a few extra goodies to make the trip really worthwhile? 
So it's um, kind of an additional uh, delivery mission or cargo mission. So, but there's just additional, like you're having to fight your way to it. I personally love it. Here we go, new Crusader platforms. Repel Raid on Orison, Crusader's breathtaking city. Uh, city in the clouds, I knew they were gonna say that. Crusader's breathtaking city in the clouds is under attack once again. New platforms across this gas giant Crusader enable multiple instances of the mission to be run simultaneously, meaning players can undertake the challenge at any time. The introduction of the Crusader A1 Spirit, flyable ship. Um, so this is the bombing variant. So the A1 is the uh, bomber variant, the C1 is cargo, and the E1 is the executive or the VIP transport. Um, so the A1 is out. The good news, once you get like the initial hull out, um, the subsequent hulls or the, the subsequent versions are shortly after. Flyable ship. Crusader Spirit Bombing Variant, embodying the spirit of the devastating A2 Hercules in a more usable package, Crusader's newest compact bomber is a force to be reckoned with, a bespoke S5 bombing rig, hell yeah, front and rear weapons package, and space for two crews see the Crusader A1 Spirit reduce any threat to rubble. A real world application, or maybe reference, I feel like this is like carpet bombing. Um... Not to get into like military conversation, but if you are familiar with the types of ordnance used in the military, uh, carpet bombing. This is this looks like and feels like that approach. Like it'd be nice if you had bunker busters introduced in this game, and I think the Crusader A1 Spirit would be a ripe candidate to deliver that. Um, I just think that's a really cool, really cool reference. Uh, there's also Citizen Kind for 21 uh, for October 21st and 22nd. Not really going to go into that. Um, here we go. Tech update. All right, we talked about the replications layer split. Um, I've debated like how I want to talk about this, but let's just read the article and then I might get into the pillars of tech. Um, yeah, let's do it. The Alpha 321 patch cycle debuts the replication layer split, which is vital to moving the persistent universe closer to a single shard, uh, a single shared environment between all players. This tech is a key milestone on the path to server meshing, Alpha 4.0 and beyond. The replication layer split will debut in the new preview channel. Talk about that here in a second. That runs alongside the live servers and lets players experience the latest technology and backend developments before they migrate to the live service. Okay, pillars of tech. Let me try to dumb this down, not for you, but for me. <laughs> this, I mean, there are probably listeners out there that already get this and can explain it on a better level, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to explain it without images for those listening on podcast. So bear with me. Object Container Streaming, or Server-Side Object Container Streaming, S-O-C-S. That was the first initiative, the first tech initiative. Basically, it will only generate or render an object when a player is close to it. Great. When a player walks away, what happens to that object? Well, the difference is most games that try to do this, they try to store it in a memory. It's at a cost to the memory. But what they are trying to do, or what they have done successfully, is make it serialized. So they serialize an object and give it its metadata, and it literally just disappears. It doesn't exist, quote unquote, in the universe, but it does 
persist <laughs> um, on the back end of the tech. And so when a player gets close into proximity, that object can reappear, right? It's a way to like, it's resource management on the back end, but it looks like it's, it's pretty um, persistent for that player in that shard in that moment. Okay, server-side OCS. Persistent entity streaming. In fact, let me just, here. <laughs> I wrote this in my Discord. Ooh, as you hear Discord open up. I put this in my Discord and I'm just gonna read it verbatim as I try to explain it to Soul Provision. Um, so we have like an FAQ section inside of Soul Provision. Uh, let me just get into that real quick. So I'm not trying to redo this. Here we go, persistent entity streaming. I wrote, <clears throat> allows everything within the game's server instance or shard bodies, player items, ships, destroyed ship debris, etc., to continue existing within that shard, even when players leave the area or log out of the game. So a shard is an instance, just that's probably the best kind of correlation. So a shard is an, inch, uh, is an instance. If I put an item down and I leave, it should persist with my leaving. However, you have to be in that shard. You had to have been in that instance. Right, So it's not like somebody from Japan in a completely different server could log in and see the item that I dropped. But my brother who may have started with me in that session or in that shard, I log out, everything should persist with my absence. Persistent entity streaming. Static server meshing and dynamic server meshing. Let me actually pause and throw in replication layer first. So SOES. PES we just discussed that is between the client side and the server side and they're talking directly the replication layer injects itself between the client and the server and acts as and I, I tried my best to come up with the best analogy and I'm probably gonna fail at this but like I thought of it as kind of like an air filter or like you know something that catches things excuse me something that catches things in its like path between each other so i thought like air filter but as the client is talking to the server and the server is talking to the client it's being captured in a replication layer so if one fails without the other it's static in that replication layer so there was this beautiful, beautiful demonstration at CitizenCon that actually showed all layers of pillars of tech. So all the way to server meshing, where it showed um, it showed the demonstrator actually giving themselves a 30K. They gave themselves a 30K, they fell off the client, but their buddy who was in the server with them continued, and the experience for the gamer who 30K'd stayed the same because they were connected to the replication layer and not the server. So the client side failed. They still, you know, experienced the same thing with each other. They were able to still move around, shoot, move, communicate. Um, and then once the client side or the server side ended up coming back online, they picked up where they started. They basically showed the erasing of all 30k 60k 80k 90k they, they they showed that going away it's gone in this example <laughs> in this example so that is like that is the the true benefit of replication layer right the the separation there so they're separating the server from the client the replication layer is right in that center spot um, but again it's it's based off of like one 
one shard, right? It's one instance against somebody from Japan coming in and seeing things like that. That hasn't been introduced yet until we get into static server meshing, which is right around the corner, guys. <laughs> uh, after replication layer, the next is static server meshing. Quickly, static server meshing allows for different locations to be hosted by different servers. This is gorgeous. So at the last part of that demonstration I just mentioned at CitizenCon, they showed, um, so it was, it was the demonstrator plus like three, four of their buddies all in the same server. They were showing how when they entered a zone, some zones would turn on, some zones would turn off, but they ended up showing how one server had authority over one zone whereas another server had authority over a different zone. So as we flex in and out of occupation of a zone, that, that meshing of servers persisted for each one of those users. Three different servers going in and out using the replication layer showed persistence. Mind blown. Nothing ever in the gaming industry or any sort of industry media has ever been done like this. And we saw it real time. Chris Roberts said something about crying when he first saw it. I'm just shocked and in awe of, of the fact that they were able to do this and, and, and be successful at it. It was absolutely incredible. And I hope for those of you on podcast, I did justice by explaining what uh, what this all means. But we are now at the replication layer being introduced. It's going to go to the preview channel, then I'm sure PTU, and then to the PU. We'll get into the preview channel here in a little bit. Woo, last but not least, um, the 321 referral bonus. Hey, listen, for those of you um, who this might be your first time listening to... Uh, Solace or Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast. Um, I do have a referral code. I am not one to ever put it out there. It's just not something that drives really anything um, that I do or create content for. But if you're looking for um, a referral bonus that gives you additional UEC when you join or you want this ship we're about to get into, you can use the referral bonus star hyphen 94S as in Sierra, T as in Tango, hyphen, B as in Bravo, key as in Kila, F as in Foxtrot, F as in Mike. And that will be in the show description. It's always in the show description, YouTube description, etc. Uh, but feel free to use that. If you use it now, you could get your hands or you will get your hands on what I'm about to show you. So I backed out and I'm going back into the screen share. So Cruise into Star Citizen Alpha 321 in style by referring to a friend. I just did. I referred you. <laughs> Starting October 19th, refer a friend to Star Citizen, and both of you will receive a consolidated Outland Adventurous Hover Bike, which you see in the image. Uh, the Hover Quad with Copperhead Paint for free. And I'm pretty sure it is also lifetime insurance as well. So feel free. I get it. You get it. We all win. Um, awesome. They're like with every other event, with every patch release, with most events, Jump Town, um, Xeno Threat, any of the others, they always release um, or they always 
put out in the pledge store additional ships that you can buy. So here we go. Fight for victory in these mission ready vehicles. One out of nine. Here's your A1 Spirit. It's a very sexy ship. Consider getting it. The CRR Pisces is the Pisces, but the medical version. Cutlass Red. It's a medical cutlass, but probably one of the best drop ships in the game. The Cutter Scout, which we'll get into here in a little bit, but that was a surprise. That dropped during Citizen Con. Very cool for 50 bucks. Um, the Mercury, the Prowler, the Redeemer, the Valkyrie, and the Vanguard Hoplite. So pretty cool. Um, like any other events, feel free to go buy more pledge ships, whatever. I mean, there's an argument or debate on when is the right time to get new ships. What I will tell you, my advice, just wait until November. November is the Intergalactic Aerospace Expo. Um, that's probably the best time that an Invictus launch week in Q1 of, uh, of each year. Um, those are probably the best times to get ships, the best deals, the best bundles. So I would hold off personally until November to spend any new money. All right. Um, like always, I will go through patch notes. Um, I don't go through the known issues. Don't really care about that. Um, but what I do is I, I paraphrase. So let's go through... Um, Long-term persistence is enabled. You're going to start off with 20,000 UEC. Um, so really no difference there, but you will loss of items not stored in the long-time persistence. So you will lose items if you haven't moved them back and forth in your inventory. We've talked about that several times. List of known issues. Moving on. New features. Locations. New jump point rest stop stations and Lagrange points. Go check it out. They are so so beautiful but it's the pyro gateway the magnus gateway and the terra gateway i think i said vega gateway uh maybe at the beginning of the podcast totally meant magnus uh, with the pyro magnus and terra gameplay we talked about the new uh patch releases feature updates uh we talked about the repel raid i'm pretty sure we already covered most of this but just know that this link is available in spectrum and of course will be in the show notes as well i'm just going to keep sharing my screen straight into the hover bike referral so here you go it's actually beautiful one of my favorite color combinations like copper and cream copper and cream is a very beautiful luxurious uh color combination and I, I'm kind of sounding like morphologist in this moment because it's like design language and all that crap. Um, I love the color combination of copper and cream. So you've got like the base color of cream or maybe even white uh, with the accents of copper. Gorgeous, gorgeous ship. Um, so referral bonus. How do I refer a friend? I think pretty much this is all good to go. I wanted to see if the LTI, the consolidated Allen hover quad given out as a referral reward includes LTI and is non-meltable. So you will have life lifetime insurance. So there you go. You can't melt it, but you can upgrade from it, right? So think about it. You're going to get a free $50, you know, item that if you wanted to use that to upgrade to another ship, by all means, you can upgrade, actually spend real money upgrade it to another ship and transfer that lifetime insurance to the next ship that you get. Cool. I'm going to continue sharing the screen because we're going to go through this. <coughs> Excuse me. Because uh, we are 40 minutes into the podcast and we're still in last week's information. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome back, Pilot. I referenced this earlier. I think this is the best resource for you to share with your friends if they've been 
on a hiatus. So I just shared it with my Discord um, or with Soul Provision. I shared it with them, uh, the three or four individuals that are now back and playing. Check it out. It's a great kind of catches you up from where you have maybe left off or you know, you're curious about where you've been. It goes through, this is from this last week's 321 down to 315. It takes you all the way through the major accomplishes from each one of the patches. So I absolutely love this resource and I would highly recommend using this resource uh, when talking to your friends about, you know, this past year in CitizenCon or this past year in Star Citizen. Moving on, A1. So I've always struggled with how to talk about like these ship releases on podcast because they're so aesthetic, um, meaning like I, this should be like a YouTube thing or you should go in and watch the trailers yourself. But there are some amazing trailers and videos on the A1 Spirit. Um, animations, how to use it. There's some pictures on the layout, the format, um, specifications on how big it is and the ordinance that you can put in it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I don't know how, again, this, this is what I'm saying. I don't necessarily know how else to speak to it. It's a gorgeous ship. Um, it's a very capable ship. I think it is a vertical deployment bomb system um whereas like the um the eclipse right is more like a horizontal it's going to shoot the torpedoes out um i think the a2 the crusader a2 i think that's a vertical deployment um it, it is it is a vertical deployment so Again, I don't really know how else to speak to this. Here's your specifications. Um, they do reference the other spirits um, as well. So I think there's some pretty cool pictures here, but here we go. Standalone options. Um, the war bond is $175. The regular is $200. For those of you listening who don't know what war bond is, it's brand new money. Brand new money, you can't melt to it or you can't uh, upgrade to it, but it's usually at a discount. Uh, sometimes they'll give you you know, a higher insurance as well, but it's new money, right? So that $175, you're coming to the table with 175 for this 200, you could upgrade a ship that's already at 175 and only spend $25, right? Gives you a list of the paints, which I am such a snob. I will buy anything concierge. So if there's a concierge version and I don't even have the whole, I'm still going to buy it because I'm that person. Uh, and that's it. Okay, major segue, and I'm gonna put this timestamp in YouTube, and I'm gonna put this timestamp in the podcast for Spotify, um, but here we go. We are now moving on from last week's news and updates to CitizenCon. So I wanna take a personal approach um, I want you to see a side of me, uh, the human side of me and my brother and the experience that we had from our purview. Uh, we're not going to get into surmising or predictions or any sort of, I don't know, what you would expect from a content creator. I just want to share with you, my friends, the experience that I had this past weekend. So... If you want to come on this journey with me, sit back, relax, grab your favorite pour of Radagast, and enjoy uh, enjoy this moment, uh, as, as I know for a fact, I will. So this might be kind of ridiculous, but I'm going to go through my Amazon Photos gallery um, and just go through 
the pictures and just kind of talk about memories and, and, and what, um, what my brother and I did. So first off, if you're not already following Twitter, Instagram, actually blue sky, we're now on blue sky, TikTok, um, all things BTV underscore cast, uh, blue sky is something different. It's like beyond the verse dot social dot, I don't know, whatever nonsense that is regardless follow. Cause I try to show more than just content creation. Um, we're friends, right? Like we're friends, we're acquaintances, whatever you want to call us. There should be an, another layer to our relationship. So that's kind of how I do it. Join the discussion, be part of that. So I left my home like on Friday morning, like super early in the morning. My flight was like at 7 a.m. because I wanted to get into L.A. like immediately. (laughs) I have the worst case of FOMO, worst case of FOMO. So Friday morning, I wake up, I drive my happy ass to the airport. Um, I did upgrade like I bought the first class experience. Like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. And I was blessed through all my travels with Amazon uh, to be able to use points. So my flight was free at the first class level. I'm not ashamed. I have traveled way too much. (laughs) Uh, I've been away from my family way too much to have not uh, done that for myself. So got to the airport. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do like a picture of the day of like me in a black and white, just me in this like, um, like here, if you see me out in public, like here's what you're looking for. So here's a little dramatic, uh, dramatic pose um, there at the airport. So flight out was perfect. I actually watched, um, I actually watched the expanse. I've been reading the books. The books are phenomenal. Um, but I started watching the, the Amazon prime, uh, movie series or, or show series of the expanse. Again, great story. I got my wife into it last night. Um, I recommend it. Go read it, go watch it. So, I land, my brother and I, um, actually let me back up even more. I get, I get to the, uh, I get to the baggage claim and I see somebody walk by me that I swear I recognized. I'm like, you know what? This is going to happen a lot this weekend. I'm going to see a face that I recognize, but I'm going to make an ass out of myself and not remember who you are or know like how to say hi or whatever. Um, not because of a confidence thing, but because like, I, I don't know, you, you might not know me or recognize me. If you just listen to the podcast, you know, my voice, you don't know what I look like, but I recognized him so well that I ended up messaging him on discord and even on Twitter. I was like, Hey dude, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure you just walked by me. Um, but Hey, if that was you come back to baggage claim, it was tree. So tree zero three one one, uh, I've been on his podcast, um, for, uh, the armchair admirals and generals for generals and admirals. Um, but we did a, we did a podcast several, several weeks ago or months ago at this point. Uh, but it was great. It was a really phenomenal, um, introduction or start to the trip, right? Like just such a cool moment that through content creation and this star citizen community, we would recognize each other had a baggage claim. Uh, and we ended up like the three of us, my brother, myself, and Tree, we ended up sharing a ride share to the hotel that he was actually staying at a hotel very close to us. So we got to split the cab or split the uh, air airfare. Good Lord. We got to split this ride share, you know, three ways. 
So just again, a really, really, really awesome story. So he went his way. He was actually staying with the Astro Historian. Uh, so him and Paul, or the Astro Historian, did their own thing. Me and my brother ended up going to the observatory. Um, the observatory, that's kind of a funny, that's kind of a funny story in and of itself. Um, it was extremely hot because there's no shade. And I didn't make the connection. I didn't think, hey, observatory, there's probably nothing over it because it's an observatory. <laughs> so there was like, there was no shade. I now know why most of CIG got sunburnt when they did this a couple of days ago as well. Um, but I was burning my ass off because I was also wearing a long sleeve, like, you know, you'll see it here in a couple seconds. Uh, but I had like a long sleeve on, so I was I was melting as well. Um, but a beautiful, beautiful view of the Hollywood sign. So what you're seeing now on YouTube, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous video, the Holly, our picture of the Hollywood sign. Um, and then I took a landscape. So you're seeing now the entire landscape of when you first get to the observatory and you look, I think it's westerly, but to my right at the moment. Um, so you'll see, you know, here's the city of LA on the left, right? And then here is the Hollywood sign way over here in the top right, but a kind of a, uh, pan, a panoramic, there you go, a panoramic of what we saw looking over to the right. There's my goofy ass, my ugly mug standing there with a long sleeve on, uh, with a Hollywood sign in the back. Again, super uh, when I say super hot, that's not like self-indulgent that I'm literally hot melting in this picture. It's great. <laughs> um, here's the Griffith observatory. Um, I got major, major mist vibes, like hardcore mist vibes. Um, I don't know. And, and maybe you do too, but like a couple of months ago, actually at this point, probably a year or two years ago, I do have the Oculus, like the virtual reality headset from Facebook. Um, I have the Oculus and one of the, one of the best experiences was getting missed on it. Um, which if you're not familiar with that game, it is a like frame by frame. So very old school, but it's a frame by frame puzzle world. So you're actually, you know, you're in this observatory doing this puzzle, looking at the, the stars and constellations in order to get the hint or the clue for the next room. Um, it's a very awesome experience, but I, I made that connection here. So Griffith Observatory very much made me feel that way. Um, my very dramatic shot from the ground up on the Griffith Observatory. Let's keep going. Uh, this is from the observatory looking out. So there's the Hollywood sign and the monument for the observatory. Just a, I'm going to show you quite a lot of pictures of LA and all of its haze, but I'll go quickly. So for those of you on podcasts, you're not just sitting around kind of wanting to fast forward, but LA, uh, another part of the dome or one of the domes of the observatory, LA through its haze, LA through its haze more domes of the observatory uh la through its haze actually in this picture i wanted to i wanted to single out just how straight and long that one road is so right in the middle of the picture that my cursor is on i just thought it was crazy that this one road basically goes all the way until i'm assuming the ocean i don't know what road that is somebody from la can tell me just thought it was a really uh, a really neat picture here we go um more kind of artistic but from one of the uh rails of the observatory. I took a picture through the rails of the LA um, skyline. 
in its haze. <laughs> All right, here's a, here's a video. The first video, and each video, I, I, I could not figure out how to mute it before I played it. So excuse me that every time I hit play, I'm gonna have to mute it immediately, but you're gonna hear a pop of sound. Bear with me as it, it kind of is a little loud at first, but here we go. All right, so this is uh, inside of the observatory. It was a planetarium type uh, feel, but you had real life sized planets. Well, hold on to scale <laughs> life size planets. That doesn't make sense, but the, um, the planets are to scale. So these are each one of our nine planets. Yes. I'm counting Pluto fight me, <laughs> but, uh, uh, the actual planetary itself represents sun and each one of these planets, uh, is relative to how big the sun is. So I thought that was a really cool video. Here's another video. Um, it's actually kind of funny. It's my lunch at the observatory, but check out this view. Watch this. So I, I, I love like the panning, but here's the panning from like my very healthy lunch, but check out this view. Boom. It's like a balcony overlooking that entire, um, West side of, of LA. So let's just watch that again. I absolutely love this view, but in front of me was LA to the right of me was the Hollywood sign, uh, cherry Cokes for the win again, fight me. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful view. I'll take it. We also watched like a 25 minute video on the history of the Griffith, um, observatory. So very awesome. Another great picture of one of the domes of the refracting telescopes with LA in the background, more pictures, more pictures. All right. Later that night, back to like star citizen. Later that night, um, I did announce on socials or I shared on socials that we had uh, access to like an early registration. So you could go early, like between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. or maybe it was 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. I don't know. You had a two hour window that you could go get all your stuff needed for Saturday's events. So we went early and here's the stuff that we got. So if you were a premium ticket holder, really the only difference besides the VIP lounge, which my brother and I never went to. <laughs> I just thought about that. The only other thing that you got was this poster. So it is a numbered, and I think that's pretty cool. It's a numbered poster of the gang rough and ready. Uh, it's that logo that you see actually on my shirt, right? Uh, yep. Right here where it says citizen con, the R and R. And now of course you see it on, on the YouTube screen, but the rough and ready, um, gang logo or the marking, whatever you want to call it, the tag, whatever you want to call it. And I am number 418 out of 550. So deductive reasoning, uh, would tell you that there was about 550 VIP members. If there's a total of 550 posters, and I was 418 of that, you could surmise that there were 550 VIP members. And actually at the after party, um, it felt like there was 550 people. <laughs> it was very packed. So I thought that was cool. Wanted to share that photo with you. And then everybody, no matter who you were, um, you got one of these uh, pens and challenge coins. So for me, I was employee number 2009 so I thought that was cool. They're all serialized or they're numbered. They're all unique. So again, you could surmise since the total is 4,550, that's probably roughly how many attendees that were there for CitizenCon. And I was number 2009. So 
closer image of each one of those, the pin and the challenge coin. All right, day two, um, or really day one is citizen kind. So thought that was super, um, super exciting to share about Friday. Let's actually get into citizen con reactions and we're 54 minutes ish uh into the podcast so i told you an hour and a half to two hours here we go i did not know what to expect no idea i didn't know the theme of citizen con i knew there would be conversations about pyro i knew there would be conversations about um squadron 42 but i had no idea what to expect i honestly having done many twitch cons um and comic cons in my past um, I expected kind of an open, like an open forum of like just tables everywhere, booths that you just walk around and experience. I was not ready for what I experienced walking into Citizen Con. Like it was, let's get to the pictures. So here's my, again, ugly mug. I, I had intended, hey, if you saw me, this is what I look like when I'm walking around the venue. Uh, and I share that on socials. And again, had many of you amazing, amazing people come and spend time with me and introduce yourself. So uh, blessings, blessings to every single one of you. Um, even those who couldn't make it, but will make it next year. Look forward to meeting you. Pictures. Here we go. All right. This first video is hilarious. Uh, and it actually relative to my usual post went viral, um, but I'm sitting in line. I'm standing in line, ready to go in. This wraps around many, many, many times. And I took this video standing in line. So there's just, there's people everywhere, right? People everywhere with their bags, some in kind of a, a, uh, um, cosplay, you know, outfit. But I took this video and I was like, look, th this is probably everybody who has killed me in game. <laughs> I wish there was a way to know how many of you at CitizenCon are responsible for pad ramming me, shooting me in the face, pushing me off of a platform, just flat out destroying me in PvP, you know, flight combat. Uh, but it was just a really funny moment that we were in the midst of 4.5 thousand people uh, knowing I probably died twice from every single one of them. So really cool video again. Um, just shows the breath and this is 8.30. This is 30 minutes before um, the doors opened. Before this walking to the line, I was able to see through like um, the top windows. And I'm like knocking the crap out of my box here. I was able to see through the top windows, a little glimpse of the main auditorium. We're calling it Hall A, H-A-L-L, uh, -L, Hall A. Um, and I already saw like the floodlights and the smoke machines. So like, I'm already feeling the hype. Like I'm ready to go. Let's, let's do this. So the hype is real. Everybody's excited. Everybody's, you know, you know, getting really pumped up. Some of the developers were running around, um, outside with like their cameras, you know, taking video of, of the crowds, um, which they ran by me and my brother. So I thought that was kind of a fun experience. Um, but here we go. Doors opened. Everybody's, you know, screaming, cheering, having a great time. We end up serpentining through all of the, all of line and getting through the doors. Um, I did not take a video. Like I said, last, what last podcast, like I wasn't going to be the one that's behind my camera the whole day, which there were many of you out there that did. <laughs> um, 
but standing in line at the merchant store or the merchandise store, I did take a moment to just do a, a, a 360. So this video, standing in line for the merchandise, actually straight ahead where I'm circling right now is the merchandise corner. Um, it was a long ass line, very long ass line, but let's just play through this real quick so you can get the ambience. Um, but imagine if you're on podcast, a very dark room, highlighted by red floodlights, smoke machines. Basically, it felt like you were walking into Grimhex. I think that's a pretty good, a pretty good analogy. So here we go. Um, you, I mean, just, I'll let you see it. They were draping, almost like Christmas lights. They were draping lights through where the community booths were. Um, I mean, just the whole, it was very dark. I will say that it was very dark. So taking pictures with friends, you know, obviously taking videos, it was very kind of hard to like see each other. Um, but you're there, you're there for the rest of this, right? You're there for everything else. So there you go. There there's whole, uh, hall B hall B with everything community wise, um, that was in that room. This next video also went viral and actually most of my posts were over 2000 views over the weekend. Uh, so I'll stop saying the viral piece. Um, but here is, here's welcome to pyro. So this podcast has talked several times about them releasing what was happening in the top left corner of that map. Well, here, here's welcome to pyro. It, it, it left nothing to doubt. This was absolutely going to be an opportunity to play pyro rows and rows and rows of asus computers ready for people to jump into pyro amazing and so i think i zoom in on one of these yeah i zoom in on one of these it's a picture of the jump point going into pyro so incredible right so again the hype is real this is before 11 11 a.m. when we were going into Hall A for the main presentation. So everybody's talking about, man, did you see the computers? Oh, did you see the pyro images on the computer screens? It it was incredible hype or buildup. Okay, this is another, again, I like my panning. If you watch anything that I create, I usually pan because I, I love the, the motion of panning. Uh, but here's another view of the... Uh, of Hall B. Okay, so here we go. I start from the screen of CitizenCon, I move down, and here's the the kind of hanging Christmas lights, if you will, um, over the community booths. This was the general access, like sitting area, and then sort of over here in the corner that I didn't really view um, is the VIP sitting area. If I pause it right here, you got Space Tomato. Yeah, Space Tomato. Uh, doing an interview in front of the Pyro sign. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then back to, which I thought this blurred out perfectly, but back to the welcome to pyro that completely went out of focus when I went to it. Okay. EQ and X, EQ and X or Equinix. I'm going to call it EQ and X. They had this amazing Lego setup of the Bingle carrier. So this picture and this picture, um, they had a booth set up. I I'm, I'm sorry. If you do something as creative and complex as this, I'm taking a picture of your, of, of your stuff. That was an amazing replication of the Bingle carrier moving on. Okay. Hall a, they opened the doors to Hall A. My brother and I got actually really good seats in the center aisle. This is for day one. The center aisle on the left, probably as 
probably at the far back row from the first section or in the first section. So here is hall A with all of the mood lighting, the smoke machines, the green lights, the black lights, the blue lights. Um, and I'll just let you see this, but you can see where everybody's, you know, um, hype was coming from. They did an amazing, they did an amazing job. So again, very dark. So some people came up to me and said, hi, I it took me a couple of seconds to recognize who they were. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's the first section you can see in the back. There is a, you know, a back section or a second section. But my brother and I got really good seats. We went in early, like it was like nine, nine fifteen. Oh, I'm sorry, like 10, 10, 15, getting ready for that 11 o'clock start time. So that was good. Here's a big, huge ass picture of what my view was for day one. Uh, cosplay. Holy crap. Okay, so, <clears throat> of course, there are things that happen between the start and cosplay. We'll get into that here in a second. Um, but, uh, the cosplay contest was incredible. Like, working outfits. Working outfits. So, like, these four over here that had the, um, the Xeno Threat outfits, like, their masks worked and the script scrolled unlike their tie or the centerpiece like amazing amazing cosplays you had jerry right somebody dressed up as jerry um the winner so here's galactica the winner was right to the right of galactica it was this individual right here that kind of had um man i'm not even i, I don't think it's xenothreat I'm, I'm gonna insult most of my listeners i, I don't know what uh gang or outfit style this is uh, let me know in the comments. <laughs> I want to go back and I want to like either edit this or, or put like an overlay. Um, but whatever design this is for this cosplay, this one, the event. But I just wanted to take a second. I tweeted about it. I'm going to say it again. Actually, I mentioned it last week as well. I have the utmost respect and the creativity it takes to create these cosplays. It's incredible the amount of passion, precision, perfection that comes uh, from what we saw on on Saturday so very cool alrighty moving on I'm gonna clear my throat real quick staying with pictures um, so <laughs> John crew John crew came out and talked about the backlog I I didn't take a picture of every single um, I did not take a picture of every single slide for obvious reasons but here's John crew speaking about the backlog um, for vehicles. And so for those of you on podcast, obviously YouTube, you can see what I'm showing, but for those of you on podcast, it's called the backlog over 200 vehicles exist for us to support. You have a light blue of those that are released. So let's do quick math. Let's do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, one hundred and fifty. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, hundred and sixty. So there are a hundred and sixty released ships on this image. Hundred and sixty released ships. The white that you're seeing are unreleased ships, right? So fifteen across, it's thirty. 41. There's 41 unreleased ships, right? And then new in 2023, 12. So 12 new in 2023. I'm not going to try to remember what I just told you, but there's a, there's a 
uh, box graph of how many ships are in existence. We either released, released this year, or unreleased. Thought that was a very good image of where we stand. And somewhere in there is the Bonnie Merchant Man. <laughs> somewhere in the white is the Bonnie Merchant Man. Um, that, the, the poor little guys. Um, I feel bad for the developers. They actually came out and spent five minutes apologizing about the BMM, um, but explained, and I think I mentioned this earlier uh, in the podcast, but they explained like because of attrition, retention issues, that's why the BMM hasn't been really touched on or shared. Uh, but anyways, not to digress, moving on. The Boot Dude. Okay, one of my very first uh, listeners that came up to me, The Boot Dude. So first off, uh, it's such a wholesome interaction with somebody. They're from Tennessee, so that southern, just good, genuine human being vibes came up, asked if he could shake my hand. I stood up, I gave him a hug, took a picture. Um, it was so awesome to have a conversation with this individual. They're with a friend, I believe the friend's name was Will please forgive me, but I think the name was Will. Um, but it was a phenomenal, phenomenal conversation. So boo dude, if you're listening, man, blessings to you, blessings to your family. I appreciate your patronage. I look forward to you continuing, continuing to listen. And if we ever cross paths again, man, dude, come by and say hi. If I see you, I'll come by and say hi as well. True blessing. <laughs> okay. Um, this was a very fun, a very fun experience. So, all right. I, uh, I was at the merchant store or the, the merchandise store and we're, this is later in that same day. And, uh, I, I meet, I meet this, this lovely, lovely listener, this lovely person. Um, and before, before I do anything, I want to make sure I get their, um, I want to make sure I get their Twitter handle correct. So give me give me one second, because I don't want to butcher. I don't want to butcher how I speak. Um, so it is Cattercakes. I just want to make sure. So it's Cat. Okay, Cat Reeves, but it is at Cattercakes. So I just wanted to share that. I wanted to get that piece right. Um, but such a beautiful person an absolute genuine experience. Um, I got up there and I was like, hey, so the items that you can only, and she interrupts me. She interrupts me and she goes, oh my God, are you beyond the verse? Are you soulless? Uh, and it was just this like, it was just a surreal moment um, that it, it, it kind of, I think that hit me um, where like CIG and, and, and members of CIG are also listening to this podcast. I don't know why that shocked me. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because Robert Space Industries doesn't follow <laughs> my social media accounts. And that's not a thing. I'm not asking them to. I would never ask them to. Um, but like, I just didn't really like, I don't know. I don't do this for them. I do it for the community. Um, so I just never really connected with me uh, that, that some of CIG would be listening. But this was the first time a CIG employee, and I don't want to diminish her to that title, um, said they recognized me. And that meant the world to me. And it even meant more that she was just a beautiful person inside and out, just an amazing conversationalist. She came out from behind the counter, wanted to take this picture. I asked her, um, you know, to take this picture. My brother ended up taking it for us. Um, again, just a very, a very great experience. And if you're listening, 
blessings to you and your family as well. Uh, I hope this finds you well. It was such a special moment. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then we got to play Pyro. <laughs> All right. So this was cool. The venue ended. Uh, the, video, the venue closed at 7. It closed at 7 p.m. But my brother and I uh, went into the line to play Pyro really late. And we were one of the last waves to get promoted or to get um, pushed into Pyro. So instead of only having 40 minutes to play, so 6 to 640, they told us we could play until 7. They're like, yeah. We're not going to put anybody in for 20 minutes, so why don't you just continue playing for the last 20 minutes before we close the venue down? So my brother and I were one of the very few that got to play Pyro for a full hour on the first day. <laughs> uh, and let me tell you, uh, Pyro was incredible. I'm going to diminish it by saying, imagine Grim Hacks on a orbital station like level or scale, it felt like that. It had the gang markings uh, or the gang tags everywhere on the walls, um, but it felt so good to be in the pyro system to see basically the the chaos and the turmoil of like the fire and the clouds and it was just a, a beautiful beautiful experience so this is a picture of me and my brother getting into like the loading screen you can see the jump point or the uh, orbital station um, and when you log in you log in in the medical beds of the jump point or i keep saying jump point of the orbital station so here's the um say rough and ready good lord it's like rough and ready anyways the the gang tags all over the place they clearly own the operations here inside the orbital point um but man that was it was such a great experience i'm trying to figure out why this picture is not showing <laughs> Ooh, it's because my Amazon Photos is not loading. Oh, my kiddos. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see my kiddos. Love them to death. All right, and you're getting a sneak peek of everything I'm about to show you. All right, here we go. All right, so because uh, they just had announced that the Drake Cutter Scout was flyable, and it was actually one of the flyable ships that they provided for you in Pyro, um, I jumped in it. Um, I jumped in it and I chose that as my ship. So here is the Drake Cutter Scout inside of Pyro, inside of one of the hangars. This is flying outside of the orbital station. And just look at that beauty. I mean, the station looks gorgeous with the gang taggings all over, like, you know, again, the, the platforms. Uh, but in the background, you have the dilapidated asteroids and pieces of the orbital station scattered. It was so beautiful to fly around. It's something you've never seen before in Stanton. Another image of the Cutter Scout with that uh, same description in the background. This is on Monox. Monox, M-O-N-O-X. Monox. Um, I chose to fly there first. And the pixelation, it's because I'm taking a picture of a screen. So... I mean, I hope that makes sense, <laughs> but it's a, uh, it's an outpost with the sun setting behind a mountain in the background. Um, again, just a very, very, very beautiful, beautiful, uh, surreal environment. Again, that you haven't seen really in Stanton. So that was gorgeous. I wanted to take a picture of the map. So at some point, 
if the Astro historian hasn't already done this, <laughs> um, I, I kind of want to dive into the orbital map or the star map. Um, but you see all the different like clusters and, and systems and planets. Um, and what's funny is, is I actually don't see Monox. Monox was like right here, M-O-N-O-X. It was right here and I don't actually see it on the map anymore. But that's where I went first. So yeah, unless I'm completely turned around. Because here's the Pyrostan jump point. Anyways, <laughs> I'm having a moment uh, while recording a podcast. Okay, so there's, there's the star map. There is the line of us. Um, and actually, that second individual um, is, is a member of Soul Citizens. So I just got to meet a lot of really awesome people. He was one of them in line uh, with us to play Pyro. It's my brother getting, getting all into Pyro. Look how serious, how serious he is. <laughs> there's my ugly mug. Uh, super satisfied while flying uh, around in pyro. Look at that guy. Um, kind of a dramatic, because uh, again, this was the, at the end of day one. So kind of a dramatic photo of see you tomorrow from CitizenCon in the background while we're playing pyro. Very awesome photo. Here's a uh, collage of the boot dude and cat um, that I put together. One of my favorite photos. I've got to probably, I'm more than likely get that framed because of how much it meant to me. So thank you. Um, that night, we decided to play it cool. We went to uh, the Bar Citizen that night. And then after Bar Citizen, we ended up hitting up a, um, a rooftop bar that was on top of our hotel. So this is just, it's just a, it's just a video of a, um, of a pan of what we saw from on top of the hotel. Cool. No, I didn't mean to do that. I just backed out of everything. All right, day two. So Sunday morning, um, Sunday morning, again, here's my black and white photo that I told you why I did each day. And I think, oh, I didn't take any other pictures on day two. Yeah, because I, I taken all the pictures I wanted to take on day one and I wanted to make sure I was totally invested and engrossed in the events for day two because everything was going to be announced on day two. So I was super excited. So I went from this photo to actually after the event, this is actually afterwards, when I did one of my panning videos. Super loud, but as I pan up, this was right at the stage at the very end of CitizenCon. That was a really great you know, video transition. The rest of this is the after party. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, I, mm, I don't think I have each one of these broken down, but regardless, I think this is the better one. Okay, I'll end on this so we can get into this week's news an hour and 15 minutes later. In the top left, you've got Solace and my brother on the far right, but the man himself, Chris Roberts. So, I, of course, that's probably the coolest picture you know that we could possibly imagine um, but that is Chris Roberts in the top right here is his wife Sandy Roberts right so my brother and I my brother and I with Sandy Roberts and then we just go down the hit list we got Jared Huckabee right right here um, my brother is kind of peeking around in the background this is actually a funny story so Jared uh, Jared's walking around he's clearly tired I don't, I don't know how he gets away without having COVID um, this from over the weekend, a dude was shaking hands. He's lost his voice, right? Dude, dude was engaged and getting after it. Um, but so I felt bad asking him for a photo, 
but I think he was in that kind of delirious state where he was like, yeah, screw it. I'm going to just continue mission. Keep going. Uh, he, he takes my phone from me. So actually he's holding the, the camera right now, taking the picture. He takes the camera from me and he tells me to do like, like a hand sign, like West side. <laughs> I've debated whether or not to tell this on podcast. He tells me to do like the West side symbol and I end up doing the shocker. And for those of you listening, like I'm not going to explain to you what the shocker is. It's inappropriate. It's not my brand, <laughs> but I did the shocker and uh, Jared, Jared was like, he, he calls me out on it. He's like, dude, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be associated with that, that hand sign. And he gets onto me, right? He like, <laughs> he corrects me. And so I, I end up getting it right. I end up remembering what the West side symbol is. Um, and so there's that picture. I thought that was a funny story, a, a true, genuine side of Jared. Uh, Jared, if you're listening, you're welcome onto this podcast at any time, ever. You say it and you're there. John Crew, Tyler Whitkin, the man himself, the head of community over at Star Citizen. Jake Acapella or Jake Bradley, which was also his birthday. Hey, happy birthday, brother, um, if you are listening to this, uh, to this podcast. So I made sure. One of the first things I said to Jake was happy birthday. So there's Jake. And here's Authy. So seeing Authy a few times over the weekend. Y'all heard her uh, on this podcast several episodes ago. So I had some really good interactions um, and meeting up with Authy a few times. And then to Poets. So if you're not familiar with the Poets, the Poets does a, um, a, he has a YouTube channel, a very, um, very infamous YouTube channel where he does like product reviews. Um, he's done some like Intel work in the past couple of weeks. Um, but of course recognized him. He's walking around in a freaking suit. No one else is wearing a suit. <laughs> um, but it was really awesome. It was really awesome to connect with him. Um, follow each other on Twitter. Um, it was just a really genuine exchange uh, of two content creators as well. So just great, great people to add to the collage. And I'm pretty sure I can't show you this video. I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to show you. I wasn't allowed to take videos and I totally accidentally took one. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to show you the video. Uh, but it, this was the after party at the CIG studios in Los Angeles. Uh, this is before I knew not to take a photo, um, or a video. This is inside the break room, so I'm not going to show you that. Moving on, inside the break room, here's Jared Huckabee. Um, we had some more individuals talking about the history, and I'm going to butcher this story, but Jared told a really awesome story about the paint that you're seeing on the walls. So he mentioned what we're seeing here is actually Terra, and how Star Citizen originally, originally was supposed to start in the Terra system. But after going through ideation, it's supposed to be this oasis, like Terra is supposed to be this oasis of a system. You wouldn't have most game loops. Like you're not gonna have like dog fighting in an oasis. You're not gonna have bunker missions in an oasis. So they chose to scrap their work on Terra at the moment and moved to what we are currently playing at as Stanton. That was just a really awesome inside story of how agile framework but how moving, uh, we say shoot, move, and communicate in the military, but this idea of being flexible um, and always on the go, they realized that this was going to be a bottleneck of growth and opportunity, and so they scrapped something and moved to something new, and that needs to be okay in this ever-changing project of Star Citizen and Squadron 42. 
wanted to share that. That was really cool. The man himself, Chris Roberts, autographing posters, which my brother and I did not bring anything for him to sign, so whatever. <laughs> still got to see him, still got to take pictures with him. Not worried about that. Uh, more pictures of him taking photos, and I think the rest, oh, Chris Roberts and Tyler Woodkin. Awesome. And then him actually signing, signing, more signing, patting somebody on the shoulder. I don't know what he's doing here, saying something to somebody. And then the rest are photos that you saw collaged. Um, if that's even a, is that a verb? Collaged? Made into a collage? Uh, earlier in the pictures. So I, I'm moving away from pictures. Let's get hour and 22 minutes into the podcast. Let's get into the actual news um, of Pyro um, and this week in Star Citizen. So here we go. One of the main conversations that came out of, let's say one of, not the, one of the main conversations that came out of CitizenCon was Pyro is live. Now, hear me out. Yes, it's live. It's live. It is It is live. Now, is it live in the PU? No. Is it live in the PTU? No. But it is playable in the preview channel as of October 31st. Okay? So everybody who wants to get into a debate and fight, first off, I, I always welcome a fight. You know this about me. <laughs> but I said that Pyro would be playable in some way, shape, or form in Q4 before end of the year. I mark this off as a win for Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast. <laughs> October 31st, if you are selected to be a participant in the preview channel, you can play Pyro in the preview channel. Here we go. Introducing the preview channel. At CitizenCon 2953, we unveiled the preview channel, a new channel running in parallel with our live servers aimed at facilitating the smooth integration of emerging technologies onto the live servers. Read on for details. I'm going to go quick. Let's go. Throughout the development of Star Citizen, we've achieved numerous technological milestones, each bringing us closer to the immersive universe we've always envisioned. When a foundational technology comes online for the first time, it often requires a time of adjustment. It's an iterative process, an iterative, it, 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 iterative, good lord, I can't say that word, that sees our team combat unforeseen challenges by inventing solutions on the fly, a process that can often cause disruptions for those who simply want to log in and play. That's where the preview channel comes in, a new environment where we will deploy and test new underlying technology in an isolated environment to protect the reliability and playability of the live service. Upcoming foundational technology such as the replication layer split and crash recovery will roll out in the preview channel first. These technologies will be tested in the hardened and hardened in preview channel before making their way to the PTU for migration to live. So this does not replace the PTU. It is before the PTU. In the future, when we're ready to deliver server meshing, you can expect it to go to the preview channel first for its effects to be observed and tested before it goes to the PTU. Any new technologies on the preview channel must be validated, graduated, and ultimately mission proven before making their way to a live release. Here we go. Here's, here's my explanation of the preview channel. It is a dedicated experience that has four walls. Like, here's your four walls. Here are your 
here are your left and right limits and you have to stay within these left and right limits to try something. It's almost like the arena commander's uh, experimentation mode, but it's in, it's in the universe, right? But like you cannot, in this example, you would not be able to fly from Pyro to Stanton and, and like you're dedicated to Pyro and there's probably some planets that are turned off, some mission types that are turned off, whereas the PTU is basically the PU just with new features. So it's a very uh, deliberate scoped platform where you can go and test. And then the PTU is basically the PU in a test environment. And then of course the PU is the PU. I think that's the best way I can explain what this is. And so it is. Um, here's the pyro bound. We're excited to announce that on Tuesday, October 31st, we'll open access to pyro on the preview channel. We'll utilize a randomized selection process, pulling from digital goodies pack owners, concierge, and our most active testers, followed by our usual wave process. More details to come. We can't wait to hear what you think about the lawless wasteland that is pyro. We'll see you in game. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know how I feel about how it's being selected, and I don't know if I care. Um, it, I think the last piece there, the most active testers, makes the most sense. If you're not concierge and you don't have enough money or you chose not to buy the digital goodies pack, but you spend most of your time contributing to being an active tester, you absolutely should get chosen before anybody else my personal opinion i don't care that i spent you know praetorian levels of of money on this game that shouldn't just entitle me to get access to something like this if i'm never going to play in it right they need dedicated individuals that are going to test and give feedback i'm in agreement it should be that way absolutely absolutely um okay Moving on, the Zeus Mark II, another amazing thing that dropped. Um, there is lore, there's lots of lore about the Zeus, and more than likely on this episode, or on, not this episode, on this podcast, we will go into the lore of Zeus. Um, quickly, it was like the first RSI spaceship with a quantum drive. So it kind of looked like the Challenger or it looked like the real life astronaut or space travel vehicles um, that we see again in real life. But this clearly, according to my picture I'm showing you, it clearly is, is not <laughs> anything like that. Um, it actually looks a lot like the A1 Spirit, uh, the Crusader A1 Spirit. So it kind of has like that thin, almost like an eclipse model, right? So very, very thin and, and crisp, sharp edges. Um, but it looks, it looks so amazing. This looks beautiful, right? And so there's three versions. We'll get into that here in a second. Now I'm going to go quickly through this. Um, yeah, let's just read it. Anyone with even a passing knowledge of aerospace history will be familiar with the legendary Zeus and its undisputed role in humanity's conquest of the stars. Originally prototyped in the early 2100s as commercially viable transport utilizing a streamlined quantum drive, the ship had a rocky start when early test flights went publicly awry. Luckily, this would-be legacy was eclipsed by the subsequent efforts of the Navy test pilot Michel Salino. Um, 
and her handpicked squad, the original 999th Test Squadron, who worked with RSI to redesign the Zeus's hole before successfully completing a historic test flight in 2137. There you go. There's the lore, if, <laughs> if you wanted it. Um, quickly, there's three models. There's the ES, MR, and CL. Um, let's see if I remember... I'm not going to try to do it by memory. Um, one of those is sexier than the other, so we'll, <laughs> we'll cover that here in a second. Um, all right, so the Zeus Mark II ES is the exp exploration, pretty sure. Yep. With a focus of, on exploration, the Zeus Mark II ES features a robust radar package for finding new discoveries along with enhanced weaponry and shielding to help bring them back home. Okay, exploration. Here is my favorite. So just look at this. So this is the uh, the MR, okay? So the MR is like the military variant or the, the fighter variant. But so it's black base with the highlights of blue, but then that like quantum, uh, we'll talk about it here in a second, but like it's it's also got red highlights as well. So all the, all the sexy colors. So dark black covered in like light blue highlights with red highlights and gold highlights. It almost looks like the F8C Lightning Executive Edition with blue highlights. It's a very beautiful, beautiful ship. But this MR will focus on security. It features an EMP device and a quantum dampener to help neutralize hostile forces. Last, like every other ship that comes out, it has to have a cargo variant. The Zeus Mark II cargo variant, the CL, Features additional cargo space, shocker, and a tractor beam, ideal for handling large volumes of freight. Not going to go through the Q&A. Just know that there is a Spectrum article where um, you can go and do Q&A. <laughs> so if you have a question, you can come and ask You know all these questions. Right now there's 263 questions. Um, but ask away. Go for it. All right, another ship that launched, uh, going quickly here, the Cutter Scout. Don't need to dive too much into this. It's the Drake Cutter, but has the ability uh, to use radar. So, again, like I said earlier in the podcast, not really sure how to use a podcast to describe uh, new ships launching because it's all visual, it's all aesthetically pleasing. But basically, the Scout is equipped with a radar. So here's one picture. Here's the second picture showing the radar being used. And the third picture, it's equipped with missiles. So again, I got to fly this around in Pyro. Um, I, of course, don't see or feel much of a difference. I'm also not a fan of the regular cutter. Um, so I'm probably at the best point of contact to really drive or dive into uh, its impact on the verse. But just know that this cu the cutter does now have a scout, and it gave away in the release notes, it gave away the third Drake cutter that we don't know what it is yet. It was blacked out, so we're still waiting on what the third iteration of this scout is going to be. So it'll definitely have its purpose, uh, especially whenever the navigating the universe updates gets applied from the announcements at CitizenCon. So here you go. Uh, let's talk about prices real quick. The war bond offers the concierge war bond is 45. Uh, but if you want both, the concierge war bond is 85, right? So the regular cutter and the cutter scout. Um, for non concierge members, the cutter scout war bond 45. 
And this one pack is 90. Comes with the paints. Yes, the Nightfall paint. I don't have a cutter, nor do I have a cutter scout. But I did buy the cutter Nightfall paint, which is the concierge paint. Because <laughs> I'm I'm stupid like that. Uh, and then you got the Cayman, the Cayman paint, Cayman paint, the Rock Slide paint, and more ways on how to upgrade Sky in the Universe. Okay. <laughs> Woo, here we go. Roadmap update. Um no, I'm not going to talk about the roadmap update. Uh, I will go over the roadmap roundup, so I will discuss that. So let's get into quickly. Um, this dropped actually on, on the 22nd. So this dropped on Sunday, October 22nd. This was during CitizenCon uh, for, obvious, for obvious reasons. Progress Tracker. As announced at the conclusion of CitizenCon 2953, Squadron 42 is now feature complete. The game has moved into its polishing phase, which you'll see reflected on the progress tracker. Additionally, Squadron 42 teams have now been divided into strike teams, represented as new teams on progress tracker. These teams' headcount is represented by the main stakeholders, but the teams themselves are comprised uh, comprised of developers across multiple disciplines, including design, engineering, art, audio, and more. They're calling it strike teams. I call them task forces. Um, it's really no different, right? A task force, like in the military, is like a hodgepodge. It's quote-unquote Delta Force, right? Or CAG, Contingency Action Group. Um, it's a hodgepodge of different, you know, SEALs, Rangers, Special Forces, Recon, uh, all kind of put into one little bucket. So it's the same kind of concept. Uh, they will they'll all be working on single deliverable Squadron 42 polishing as their tasks become more agile and their work uh, towards beta and release. As was the case with Squadron 42 teams previously, these teams will only display one quarter of work at a time. We've added four strike teams to progress tracker with this publish, with additional ones being added in the future. Release view. Ship Trespass. Right? That's awesome. It's been added to the release view. So Ship Trespass, the Drake Cutter Scout, and the Anvil F8C Lightning. Awesome. And I think we're about ready to wrap up this podcast. The only thing we haven't discussed is the lore post, the Whitley's Guide, Origin 600i. And then on Friday, tomorrow, will be a weekly newsletter and Jump Point October issue. So quickly, here's your Whitley's Guide to the 600i. Such a gorgeous ship. Right now, there's a tweet that I sent that is going viral. I think it's right under 3,000 uh, impressions. But the discussion is the rework. The rework on the 600i and what that means uh, to this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ship. But this goes into the development history of the multi-role luxury vessel of the 600i. So I recommend reading it. Uh, it. It's a great background. A lot of you love the 600i, and it just gives you an additional appreciation for what you are flying um, in that moment. So goodness. Um, before we get into like the outro, I just want to say one last time. Citizen Con 2953 was one of my most rewarding moments as a content creator. One, because I was immersed in the presentation that was put together by CIG. So thank you, CIG, for a phenomenally produced production. Is that too many? 
<laughs> said too many produced productions. It was it was a phenomenal production. Thank you so much for the time, the attention to detail. Some of you are still probably recovering Thursday, uh, you know, in the week after. Um, thank you so much to those listeners who went out of their way to either shake my hand, give me a hug in person, or even on socials expressing that they wished that they were here because they wanted to meet me. You will never know, and maybe you do know, but you will never know what it meant to me for you to take time out of your day to to do that, to share that sentiment. I That is extremely humbling and it encourages me to continue mission in doing what I'm doing. We have a lot to look forward to. Uh, Next episode, we will be getting into the actual conversations of the topics. I did this by design. I wanted to wait for Star Citizen to upload their YouTube videos so that we could take it and splice it and make a production out of it. Um, So that'll be next week's episode. Um, You can also expect to see something based around IAE, that's the Intergalactic Aerospace Expo for 2953. We'll do like a preview as that is the last two weeks of November. And then we're almost almost already, you know, into the December holiday month. So if you celebrate Christmas, I will reference Christmas a lot, um, but I celebrate Christmas. There's a lot of the Illuminati. I'm pretty sure it's called the Illuminati. <laughs> I'm having a moment of doubt right now, um, but we have a lot of that to look forward to as well. Like the, I think it's 12, the 12 days of December, I think we had for last year. So we have a lot to get excited about. And that ends up more than likely around the time of the release of 322. And then 2024 happens. And we'll be getting into Pyro. Squadron 42 is going to be out. You're in the right place. You're in the right place if uh, if what I've said resonated with you at all. We're going to continue this sentiment. We're going to continue this way of talking about the project we all love. You can get involved in the conversation with your questions, comments, concerns, emotional outbursts by emailing us at contact at beyondtheversehq.com or interacting with our Spotify questions and answers and polls at the end of each episode over at Spotify. You can join our in-game organization, Soul Provision, by applying at www.robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash provision. You can watch this episode and previous episodes video replay over at youtube.com forward slash at BTV underscore cast. And you can follow the conversation over at Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all at forward slash BTV underscore cast. Once again, thank you for joining us. We hope this finds you well. And until next time, safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse.